Hello, welcome to the Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk about what is probably going to be the best or the worst expansion ever, because that's every expansion um, <laughs> that was just revealed. But Buddy, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks what it is to be doing this podcast? On this podcast, we talk about games. And I guess one game that has sort of defined the past a couple years, you know, two years of the podcast has been World of Warcraft Shadowlands, right? Uh, I wouldn't hesitate to call that my main game. I don't think it's Mango's main game, but also, you know, you played it start to end. So it's, it is the, the context of this podcast has been defined quite a lot, I think, by World of Warcraft and Shadowlands and, and other other stuff, yeah. right? So the new announcement went out and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, just as kind of like a follow-up to what you just said, uh, whenever we do the full Shadowlands retrospective, which I assume will be right before um, this new expansion launches, um, there is something I think to be said for the fact that by this expansion being much less... I hate to put it like this because I don't think the expansion is back, but it's like much less compelling in that like I feel like I don't have to do everything all at once all the time. Um, has led me to like stay with the expansion for longer. I just put in a couple hours a week and I feel good about it. Um, whereas the previous expansions, I would like, I don't know, grind like for hours on end straight for like three weeks, four weeks, and then decide I hated the game and uh, put it away and unsubscribe. So, you know, it's uh, uh, Shadowlands has stood the test of time for me. But uh, that is not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about. Um, what is the name of this expansion? I've already forgotten. Dragonflight. Dragonflight. It is called. It is wow. It was World of Warcraft. Dragonflight. Yeah. So Dragonflight was announced last Tuesday, um, in a big, you know, uh, hour long thing, and then we have since learned a bunch more about it. Right? They gave a bunch of interviews to different, you know, press outlets, different people from the team, um, which is actually kind of interesting because what this is the first WoW expansion that hasn't ever been announced at a BlizzCon. Right? Normally, what happens is the WoW expansion gets announced as the first, you know. Not the first thing, but one of the first things at a BlizzCon. And then the next two days of that BlizzCon are spent just talking about, you know, the WoW the expansion. expansion. It's, yeah. it's, it's, there's a bunch of people around. They can all ask questions, that kind of a thing. Um, so that's kind of neat. It's kind of different. Um, so since then, we have learned a bunch of stuff. I have kept up with more or less all of the news, I think, at this point, just from WoWhead. You know, we have the Discord bot that just posts WoWhead stuff to Discord, and I always take a look at that. Um, so, so yeah. yeah, I guess. So, um, so given given this strangeness of timing, uh, you follow you have followed the expansion announcements, obviously more closely than I, because you've played pretty continuously this this game. Um, do you think this announcement came? earlier or later than it would have if it was announced like would this have been announced at the previous blizzcon or the next blizzcon if this was being announced at a blizzcon i think this would have been announced at the previous blizzcon um and it is coming later than that so and this is actually kind of an interesting thing because blizzcon is set in stone right they're obviously going to announce expansions on blizzcon and blizzcon is always going to fall late october early november right like that's always the weekend that it is um that kind of locks in the time frame. So, for instance, Shadowlands was announced, and then we waited four months before we even saw a build on their internal dev servers, right? Because data miners ha can see that stuff. They can't actually access it, but they can see when new things hit those servers. Um, whereas Dragonflight got announced and immediately 
the the build went live on their on their dev servers which typically symbolizes the closed alpha going live right um where people can just take a take a look at stuff it's they call this the friends and family stuff at blizzard is my is my understanding um so there is probably like we are probably an at an accelerated schedule when it comes to time between announcement the beta going live and the game going the game going live you think it's going to be like launch if you had to guess when do you think it's gonna launch next year early next year i think q1 2023 okay and is, and um, how, how much of this is speculation how much of this is like something that like have they said something that i missed or or something uh they haven't said anything that that you missed so they did mention one thing which i think is neat which is weird because in one of the you know like in one of the articles which was in french i think but you know the people at wow had translated it they seemed to suggest that there was actually that there are actually two teams inside of the World of Warcraft team, one of which worked on Shadowlands, right, and the other of which was working on Dragonflight for the duration of Shadowlands, which is new information. Um, typically, we hear things that like you know that the WoW pipeline is just very very long, right? Um, I've used the the thing in the past, which is like. Uh, you know, we learned about tier sets coming back in 2019 at that BlizzCon, right? That tier sets were coming back in Shadowlands. And they said, not for the first patch, but we have plans to do them. Um, and we didn't actually see that until 2022, right? Which is to suggest that, yeah, the pipeline for WoW is really that long. Um, uh, but if they did break it into two teams, right? And you kind of have one team who is doing you know, like the next expansion, right? While the other team is kind of polishing off current content for an expansion. That would actually kind of match development that we would see. For instance, uh, Creative Assembly does that. So Total War Warhammer 3 was developed by its own special unit. And then after Total War Warhammer 3, they handed it back to the Total War Warhammer 2 team, right? So essentially what happened is there was a team that made the base game and then a team that made all of the DLCs and future content updates of that game. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if WoW used a similar sort of yeah. structure for for its its cycles. Although I would I would hope, and you know, I guess this remains to be seen, that like, like sometimes when you're in this parallel development track stuff, like um, so like quality of life improvements in like the updating track get lost with the new with the new stuff um i don't that know if it literally happened in warhammer people okay. which yeah. is one of the reasons we talked a little bit about like the warhammer yeah. backlash or whatever uh that was one of the reasons that people were mad is because over the course of warhammer 2's life cycle and it was it wasn't really like a big thing it was just minor things over the course of the life cycle of that game where every patch included just minor buffs to underperforming like legendary lords or whoever they were like you know you could do you could use a little bit more this piece of this tree could use better bonuses or whatever else but what happened was is people went from the end state of warhammer 2 to the beginning state of warhammer 3 and they were like wait all of these values are reset back to their like pre you know pre buffed values what's yeah. going on here that, that kind of a thing yeah I mean, one like you know i think wow tries to be more sensitive to um like they, they made a big point about listening to community feedback um i think you and i might both think that sometimes they listen a little bit too much to community feedback um yeah. but if if that is you know if that that's the case that holds through um then we should probably be good to we'll probably see them uh, uh we'll probably see some like those improvements in 
or those design decisions, I guess, carry forward. Into, we, we won't have yeah, that I mean, overlapping problem. Sorry. That kind of underwrites my, my first impression of the expansion was actually a little weird and alienating because I felt like I was watching a trailer for a game I didn't want to play. It, like, not that I didn't want to play, but that it wasn't for me, right? You know what I mean? It was like I could sense the pl who the player is that this reveal was trying to appeal to, and that player is very different from me, right? Because there, it included a lot of stuff that was just, like, not the way that it has worked in BFA and Shadowlands, which are some of, you know, like, I I have enjoyed the game a lot in the past three years, right? Um, and, and so it was just very strange to see the announcement focus so hard on not doing any of the things that happened in BFA and Shadowlands that I was like... Really? There's not going to be legendaries. There's not going to be covenant. You know, like there. What? What do I have to look forward to? Right? Like there's there's nothing new for me to kind of uh, to kind of latch onto. Though I will say that over the course, I like of reading the interviews, that feeling kind of went away because I grew to understand the context of the stuff a little bit better. But I very much think that the pitch of dragon flights is a back to basics. You know, not doing crazy stuff. This is a good old fashioned you know, World of Warcraft expansion, right? And and doing away with all of these, like, crappy buzzwords that, like, Diet MatPat on WoW YouTube is, is like, parroting. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get that, but I also get that they, it seemed like they wanted to do, like, some, like, maybe nothing crazy, but some, like, core improvements, right? Like, um, like, the, just, like, the, it, it seemed like they, they wanted to focus on some, like, you know, like, they redid the talent trees again. Yeah. Um, they're, or they're redoing the countries again, right? The the core mechanic of the expansion is, is like dragons, which means you're flying from like the the, the beginning, um, and then obviously the biggest announcement is new race, which has an exclusive class and it's an exclusive race class combo. Like both are exclusive to each other. Um, mm -hmm. uh, some dragon, basically some dragonborn variant with evoker, which is a ranged GPS slash healer kind of thing. Um, that uh, if history is, is any indication, will be more mechanically interesting than any of the existing classes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has some neat stuff, right? They, they talked about how the Evoker is using really different tech because it has, like, like, um, so, like casts will get stronger the longer you hold them, right? So it has this, like, do you want to channel for three seconds and do a really powerful thing, or do you want to just fire off a quick blast or whatever? Which is very Wildstar. Wildstar had a bunch of mechanics mm. that were like that famously. Um, and uh, and I think that's neat. I yeah. Think, you know, I'm excited for someone to figure out exactly the right number of seconds to be optimal. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> don't ever wait three seconds always burn it at two seconds that's what yeah. they're gonna say right yeah and you know and people will be like why do i have to time it this bad why can't i just have the off you know i'm very excited for people to be sitting in a swirly and take lethal damage because the swirly hit them and they were like but i was channeling <laughs> dragon breath <laughs> right like i needed to hit the optimal time like because you know that's the point right like it's like oh i only have a second i'm gonna cast a short one before i move right like and i'll reach in them whatever resource in between or whatever maybe like that seems like a perfectly reasonable thing but you know that that's what's gonna happen right like people are like i need to get well, icy veins told me it's two and a half seconds and i had to sit there yeah um, healers adjust. Um, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I'm definitely ex interested to, to to see what they do. I think for me, actually, the biggest thing that I'm excited for is um, 
uh, the professions revamp. Um, oh which, yes, actually, big agree. Yeah. Um, as much as I stochastically, you know, believe that they're probably going to do engineering dirty like they always do, but that, that, that's a whole, I think that's a whole discussion for later time. I won't harp on it too much here, but like, um, I have long maintained that like wow crafting is like basically nothing, um, is not super compelling. One of the things I liked a lot about Final Fantasy 14 is that crafting was, was intricate and interesting. I don't think we're getting 14 levels of intricacy, um, in this update, but we're probably getting something, we're getting something better than what we had. Um, and some special, it seems like they're bringing specializations back in a way that kind of like make your decisions matter a little bit more, which they like got away from very quickly in the, like in the base game, like vanilla had, I think specializations for every end tier profession. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and they like very quickly, that was not a thing that mattered anymore. Um, uh, yeah, I'm also very excited for, for, uh, the crafting re revamp, especially because it feels like professions in crafting are, a good home i don't think that this is going to happen but if it if it were me right if i were given like the keys to the kingdom i would definitely think a lot about what i want for you know kind of crafting and power to look like uh for players right like so something that i think about all the time is how wrath of the lich king essentially had conduits it was just all glyphs right like glyphs had functionally the same effect that conduits had um, and they eventually would, would kind of get rid of that system. But I always sort of wondered, like, I feel like you could put that back together. You know what I mean? Like you could, you could reintroduce a world where scribes are selling glyphs to people and people are swapping glyphs around and, and everything else. Right. Um, rather than just kind of have it be, I, I don't know. I, 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 I have felt like scribes have kind of languished in this weird middle ground for a while, ever since they got rid of the, like the troop the traditional glyphs system um it has been hard to figure out what to do with with a scribe comparatively i think i agree with that i mean i feel like this is just kind of like i feel like a lot of the newer professions have kind of languished a little bit um just because like it's hard like especially like what is it it's like jewel crafting and inscription are and is there anything else that came after vanilla that i'm missing Archaeology um, technically came Yeah, but that's a secondary. But, so, is it, so it's, yeah, you know, didn't... and, and it's also not in Shadowlands. Um, Correct. Um, so, I, I think the, how do I want to put this? The, that the, uh, like, those are all based on kind of like permanent, like, you know, a lot of these felt like, you know, different types of enchanting, right? Like, jewel crafting is like enchanting, but with a socket. Um, and they also reduce the complexity on that, like, almost immediately, right? It's like everything's a prismatic socket now, just slide in whatever the fuck you want. Um, uh, I think part of the problem there is that, like, you need to, like, give them something to churn on, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, I think this is also the problem with, with engineers is, like, engineers get a lot of, like, um, like utility function. And if you can use them in different expansions, there's no you, – you have to keep inventing things for them to do, right? Like, this expansion was um, the res packs, which are useful in themselves. And they're consumable, which is also good because, like, that's the other part of this, right? Like, um, you know, if your thing – if, you know, your inscription is to make a glyph – Right, like, I my 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 feeling is that like between like eighty and ninety percent of the player base is going to pick a glyph, and that's going to be it. And then the characters mm. are going to have nothing else to do with all expansion, right? Um, uh, so I think that's like uh, I I think that's fundamentally like you have to have some you have to have something for the professions to churn on. Um, and it seems like the way they're moving with it is that like maybe it'll take some time to like get up to 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 max kind of capacity. Um, 
and also that specialization matters, right? Like you're gonna have some yeah. opportunity to like, you know, put out increasingly better gear. Um, that's the, the I think the other part of this too is that like it's hard to like, like WoW has never had crafting be like top level gear at least for, as far as I can recall. Um, maybe back in vanilla, but like the best gear you technically always... speaking in, in Warlords, they did have it, but but yeah, I, I I see I think I see the point that you're making, right? Which is that it is difficult to have high level crafted gear because then you can just make the game essentially pay to win, right? And yeah. uh, and the way they combated this in Warlords was they said you can only have three pieces of crafted gear on at a time, right? So what happened is if I bring an alt up to max level, I buy three really high end pieces on the auction house and. I'm not fully bissed out, right? But I have, okay, here's three items that are solid, right? For my, uh, like, for my spec. Uh, which, to be honest, I actually really liked that era of, of crafting, right? Like, obviously, my crafting is, has always been blacksmithing. Um, and the two eras of blacksmithing I liked the most have been Shadowlands and Warlords. Because that was sort of when crafting gear was its most competitive. That makes sense. Um, and yeah, I, you know, the, the, that lets you get like a high level item that, that's off of a crafted piece of gear. I think that's kind of key to it. Um, the flip side of this problem is if you don't have anything like that, then the only reason people get crafted gear is for Mog, right? Like, or for like leveling purposes, but that's like true for like, you know, a week at the beginning of the expansion. And that's basically it. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see how they handle all of that. I'm interested to see how, how like specialized to make specializations, right? They, during the reveal, they were like, and, you know, different people in your guild could have different specializations. And if that's, like, two, I don't think that's super compelling. Um, I mean, I, th I still think it'd be interesting. I just don't think it's, like, you kind of get that whole, like, you know, dynamic of, like, oh, I'm not as good as somebody else at something at something else, right? I think you need a little bit more fracturing than that, but well, remains to see what, what, what's Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things that they've talked about is the addition of the work order system, right? right? Which is that you can put up items through an automated sort of system um, and let the crafter kind of come to you. And the big innovation there that I think is kind of the key underpinning detail is that I can put up a bind on pickup items, right? Which means that what, you know, like a problem that used to arise when it came to, when it came to crafted gear of this level is that the gear itself had to be bind on pickup. Because otherwise, you would list it on the auction house and make money, right? So, for instance, in Battle for Azeroth, I could make mythic-level tier pants as a blacksmith, but I could only make them for me. I could not make these pants for any, anybody else, right? Um, and the interesting thing about all of that is now you can make an, you can make it so that the blacksmith can make your item for you, but with mats that are bind on pickup that make it mythic eye level gear, right? So yes, you are buying the mat off the, the thing off the auction house, but you have the key ingredient that tr drops off of a mythic boss or something, right? That really lets you pump that eye level up a whole bunch when you otherwise would maybe not have. So I think th to me that is the most interesting part and the part that I'm most hopeful for. The part that I am afraid of, I guess, um, is a world in which the system sort of flattens the market for everybody and I can't make money on it anymore. Yeah, I was gonna say I am <laughs> I am very interested to see like like you know this isn't like the real world where like you know you might pay more to a different blacksmith because you know they're better quality. Like I mean there's I mean they talk about that that being part of the system, but like. That's all going to be very mechanical. It's not going to be like, you know, like, you know, I know that, like, you know, Baron the Bold makes the best swords in the land. 
Right. Um, I wonder how quickly, like, the commission's part of the of the work orders are going to race to the bottom. Um, just, yeah. No, I also think that that will be the case. I think that people will get tiny, tiny profits for it, right? Like, right now, what happens with legendaries is I can list these for pretty big profits because me and a couple of other people on the server are the only people that have all the recipes, right? And moreover those recipes are incredibly expensive right like the, you know so i like shadowlands crafting and i would go to bat for it but like I, the way in which i like it is less for the crafting itself and more for managing the economic factor right like the point of shadowlands legendaries being cool is that they they make for interesting decisions in the economic mini game sub game of world of warcraft right and so what that means is I have to spend down half a million gold, right, in order to buy all of the mats to level up a slot from rank one to rank four. And then I can start selling those rank fours. And I need to sell those rank fours at huge profits because I just spent down half a million gold, right? Um, and so what, what happens is me and all of those crafters at the server are listing our, our legendaries for huge profit margins because we have to make our money back. Um, I actually did the math not too long ago, and I have churned through four, four, 45 million gold over the course of Shadowlands, just making money off of buying crafting and legendaries yeah. and then buying stock to level up new slots for legendaries. And I'm now at a point where I have all the legendaries, so theoretically it's all profit from here on out, right? Um, but just, like, the idea that someone would have to invest into the whole enterprise, 45 million gold, even over two years is a pretty ridiculous ask for a mundane, you know, player who isn't specifically keyed into the economic minigame of, you know, WoW crafting. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think that's a fair thing to ask, though, right? Like, if you mm -hmm. want to be involved, in, like, I, I think I think that's the, the, the primary problem, or the thing that I don't like as much, and I, maybe it's not a problem, that, like, um, if you want to be into professions you have to put the effort in right like that's something that final fantasy 14 pretty pretty clearly embrace or pretty aggressively embraces right like mm -hmm. you have to if you you have to level up what you want or you have to put in the time to level up these things and it's not quite as much effort as like a, a combat job but like you know crafting is is a thing you have to put work into um including like you know a complicated mini game to actually craft the freaking items um and so i think on on the uh uh, I think that that, like maybe that'll be unwanted by players, but I hope I hope they go that way. I hope they go the way that like you know you have to put in real effort to be a top crafter, and that that's where you can like let people have like healthy profit margins on work contracts on work orders, right? Like, yeah. Um, if there's only my hope is that they do get everything up to the mini game. I actually, and maybe this is controversial because this is a piece of it. The one thing I would not like to take from the fourteen model of crafting is the mini game itself right i just want to hit the button and have it be done essentially yeah right? and um I, I think i also think like 14 has a lot of luck involved with it which is like you know that's it's not great for consistency i think it also like it, it extends that game out essentially right like um mm. i do think they're probably going to want to add that's probably what they're going to do is they're going to want to add a luck factor to it um so that like you know, you have a chance of getting like a slightly better stat somewhere. Um, not, I mean, I say this, and then I think that immediately every every like hyper optimizer is going to like scream that they ha they can't get like the maximum uh, 
uh, gear. So I don't I don't think that uh, crafted your Titan forging. <laughs> well, so to be fair, this is essentially what happened, right? In Warlords of Draenor, you could luck it. It was luck with a bad luck protection system. Because what happens is you could craft something and you could craft it unexpectedly at a very high level, or you could craft a second item to apply to the first item to bring it up to that second level. So. Oh, it was sort of functionally the same. But, like, I kind of do hope they avoid the RNG piece of... You know, like, the thing I want to have happen um, is I like the idea that as a blacksmith, I am, you know, I specialize, let's say I specialize in armor crafting, and I specialize even further into helms, right? I am the best guy at making helms on the server. To me, the RNG should be entirely on whatever this bind-on pickup item is that you know drops from wherever that needs to go into the mm. the recipe to make the the thing good right that is where i feel like there should be rng i don't want there to be rng on my craft because what, what would end up happening is now i'm inc i'm incurring a bunch of debt because i need to craft five things because 20 percent of the time i'm gonna get you know maxed out stats or whatever and there's just not a lot of incentive to yeah to no the, the problem is, is is in order for that to work you have to have a market for the less good things and there isn't one right like yeah. that's 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 fundamentally the problem um and i that would be that's actually a, like i think that's an interesting game design problem to solve but i don't expect the wow devs to do it because i don't think that's like worth it for them to do like yeah i also um, think that you know they moved away from rng stuff and towards deterministic stuff so yeah and kind of feel like that's not where they're headed, right? Like one of the nice things about Shadowlands crafting is adding in this optional reagents feature, where you can change the item level, where you can, you know, manipulate the, uh, the secondary stat. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's the stuff that they're going. Yeah, to and that into, gave inscription right? something to do, right? Like you know, yeah. Because the thing is, is that what could happen is I could make an item, right? I, I, and that item might be a, whatever, a 262 item. But if I invest more into that item, I can deterministically determine that, it, oh, this the stats for this are going to be crit haste, which are your best stats. You're going to really want these pants or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I, was, I, I think, I guess the way to prob probably do it is to just, like, kind of, like, explode out the options and, like, make them... Uh, make them uh, assignable to like um, to to different people. Like like, explode out the options and give you give you a bunch of specializations. So like, you know, you kind of like reduce the market. And we're on a relatively small server, so like, mm -hmm. I like that'll probably work better on on our server. But I just can't imagine on like one of these huge overpopulated servers that like you won't quickly race to the bottom. Uh, I I want it to. I really do want it to work, and we'll see if it does. But uh, you know. So is that the thing that that was most attractive to you in the announcement? Um, yes, just because it's the thing. Like the tal the talents, prospectively, are interesting to me as well. Um, but I also like, like there is so. I felt like there was so little information on like what actually what that was going to be that I it was hard for me to feel out like how I felt about it. Right, I feel that. Um, you know, Karaf's in the chat. We we were speaking over the weekend briefly about like you know if interrupts are optional what the fuck's gonna happen right like and i i just don't think that they're gonna like you know they're oh, gonna I, see uh, i think that is way overblown people have people have had this argument but so to me so the big thing for me about that is that there are places where interrupts are dead right and i don't need them right which is to say 
imagine a world in which we're raiding Sepulchre of the First Ones, right? And we come to a boss like Haldoran, who doesn't have a mechanic that needs to be interrupted. Well, now I can pop a tome and I can spec out of my interrupt and I can put those points towards, you know, some other piece of utility that's more impactful, right? I think that's kind of the best case. That That's like the steel man case for... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the important thing. part of that you've that you've identified there is that the option isn't DPS or interrupt. It's probably interrupt mm -hmm. or um or 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 you know some other piece of utility which you <laughs> uh, it's just losing. Lou, Lou in the chat says people who don't take interrupts ever will be the same people who never Please. bothered to use their once anyway or never use their baseline once yeah. anyway. And and uh, you know, if I'm going to, you know, uh steal me on the other side of that, um it's that, like, you know, yes, that's true, Lou, but you also don't want to, you know, you don't want to empower and reward those players for being shitheads by giving them a DPS ability uh, in the other slot. But I, I don't think that's yeah. going to happen. I don't think there's any way that yeah. that happens um, without, like... I also think it opens up for some neat stuff in, like, in terms of the design of the game where you can make certain... <laughs> I'm sorry. Bless you. <laughs> I hope the Discord stopped that. <laughs> um... <laughs> Where you can make interesting choices about that. For instance, one of the things that you kind of can't do in the current version of the game, right, is allow players to over-specialize into interrupts, right? Because because everyone has it as part of their baseline kit, you can't overstuff their kits with extra interrupts or silences because, you know, everyone has one and you don't want to have seven different interrupts spread across five characters in a dungeon, for instance. But in a world where certain players can spec out of their interrupts, you can also allow certain players to spec deeper into their interrupts, right? So, for instance, warriors used to have an ability that was an AoE interrupt, and I missed that terribly, right? Like, how cool would it be if not only could I spec into an interrupt, but I could also spec into an AoE interrupt where I hit one button and everything casting around me instantly gets silenced for a couple of seconds, right? Um, you know, Kara from the chat says, I would love to spec, into, spec back into an interrupt as holy. We used to have one, but it was removed from the healing spec. This is this is kind of the thing that I think is really interesting about that, that utility line tree, especially because as a class that I feel like I don't bring a lot of utility, right? Like I play a warrior. Um, warriors don't bring as much utility as certain other classes do just because the kinds of utility that we do have is less useful than the kinds of utility other classes have, right? You would much rather have a marksman hunter that could use bloodlust and misdirect and, you know, binding shot than a warrior who can use battle shout, rally and cry, kind of it right yeah you know? um and so and so that's something that i that i think is really uh interesting about the theory behind the talent switches yeah lou says i would love not to go back to town every time i want to change talents um i feel like that's basically like i i feel like you you've got to keep like the books up as like a thing for for inscribers to do right this is, this is what we were talking about earlier about like like you need i think every crafting class needs a thing that they can make over and over that and gets sell consumed. Sell the auction house, yeah. Yeah, or that, that gets consumed, right? Like, because yeah. otherwise, um, otherwise, you know, you buy one and you're done, right? And that, those are, these are also probably the things that you don't have to spec into that everybody can kind of get access to, um, and uh, at least to, like, a certain degree, and, and then you you can churn those out and, like, keep um, keep crafting kind of alive for any individual player throughout the, uh, the entire expansion. 
Um, yeah, that's something I do at the beginning of every expansion is because I have a scribe. Gondor, my warlock, is a scribe when I do this. At the beginning of the expansion, I just farm out the mats and I make 200 of those books and I send them to Bairn. So I just never have to worry about it. I can just hit the books. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I bet you like that's like I, I think that that's not I don't know. That feels like it's not enough part of the base game plan for it to be like. So, I, so this is what I think the problem is. Is like that's like a high level player thing, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the thing that I don't even do, and you know I'm not exactly a high level player, but I do care about my parses, right? Like, um, and it's not a thing that I typically bother bother to deal with. And I think that like you know that level of player isn't common enough to like really fuel the sale of those books. Um, whereas like healing potions is something I think you could get that everybody would even like would have, right? Like, um. Yeah. And I think that's... Yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely something that I think Shadowlands has been better about. Um, because there are, you know, there's, there's leather kits, um, armor kits for leather working. There's the, the, the sharpening stones, obviously, for blacksmithing, right? There's, there's a couple more of these than there used to be. But it definitely does feel like the version of this for scribes are going to be missives, vantis runes, and... Um, and tomes to to have to you know like yeah. to swap around talents or whatever yeah no i i, I think I, I think i agree with that but you know hey maybe maybe the wow team's got something uh interesting for us oh uh, so what was the feature that stood out to you the most oh that's a good question you know the funny thing is okay so we have a, we have an exercise at my company at aquapara games right we have this exercise which is called the hook and the anchor right um i actually wrote a blog about this a while ago but the the, the purpose of that exercise is when you are talking about a new game right like so let's say i'm we're we're looking at one of our new titles like astrea right i might say well the hook for astrea is that it is dice right that you're rolling these dice instead of using cards for a roguelike deck builder right um, and so the hook is the new thing. It's the experimental thing. It's the thing that nobody else is doing. The thing that makes the player go, wow, I have never seen that before. And I want to experience that. Right. And the anchor is sort of the opposite of that. The anchor for Astrea, for instance, would be, you know, the tried and true method of I, I, I roll a certain number of die. They come into my hand. I play them one at a time. Right. I draw die out of my deck, essentially. Right. All of the other elements of a roguelike deck builder that inform a player who likes roguelike deck builders. Don't worry. This is the this is the experience you like, right? This is the experience that you enjoy. It is the core kind of gameplay stuff that attracts people to that genre in the first place, right? And the thing that I tend to respond to in WoW are the hooks, right? So, for instance, in Warlords of Draenor, it's the garrison. In Legion, it's artifact weapons. In Battle for Azeroth, it's islands and warfronts, right? Um, in Shadowlands, it's Torghast and Covenants, right? Like, the, all, these are the systems that have never been done before. Really ambitious, different, different stuff. I feel like Dragonflight, by comparison, is all anchor, no hook, right? It is the most back-to-basics return-to-form fundamentals expansion anybody could imagine, which is a little bit of what I was explaining when I said I kind of felt alienated, right? Like, I'm a person who enjoys, you know, I, I'm happy with Shadowlands. I want to play more of the game that has me, you know, doing this sort of stuff. What is the thing that I have to look forward to? Well, the answer is kind of not much, 
right? Because even something like professions or talents, those to me don't feel like hooks. Those feel like anchors. Those feel like, oh, I'm going back to vanilla where I have armor specialization. I'm going back to vanilla where I have a talent tree to sort of fill out. Um, that said, over the past couple of days, I've gotten more on board with things. Um, specifically because, weirdly enough, they mentioned keeping Renown in the game. Um, I think if there's one thing about Shadowlands that I like more than anything else, it's Anima. It's like the the idea that there is this endless grind that I that if I want to log into WoW and do something that earns me something, right? I can always go do these quests to get me anima and I can spend those anima on essentially a bottomless well of cosmetics, right? There will always be things for me to take the anima I get from Xerath Mortis rares and turn it into whatever, mounts, armor appearances, whatever else, right? Um, and so the idea that Renown is sticking around gives me hope that there is going to, that, that that some of those things are going to also stick around and we're going to see kind of like iteration um but outside of that the other thing that i that i'm very interested in is the nature of the talent trees just because the the interviews and the context that have been given out about those talent trees after the reveal video have brought me more on board with it right um, you know, so for instance, the idea is that the talent trees will hold all of the, you know, like all of the stuff that we would typically consider to be like borrowed power, quote unquote, right? Um, so for instance, you know, like covenant abilities or soulbind abilities and traits. Um, and the big thing, I, I don't like, I don't like the discussion about borrowed power. I think it typically sucks and is not uh well crafted it's kind of a it's like a shotgun blast right when i'm trying to find the sniper bullet of like what is the precise thing that i want to describe and i think what most people are describing when they when they talk about borrowed power is specifically like invisible power that flattens the game um which is something like shards of domination right shards of domination are traditionally borrowed power they existed for only a patch you know they were a huge dps increase 10 to 15 percent of your dps came out of farming out your you know your shards of domination set um but because they were not unique to classes or specializations they actually flatten the gameplay of everyone involved right i would even say that the shards of domination didn't even affect the gameplay almost at all right um but something like soul binds for instance do this when you know corain uh in the night fate tree he has one soul bind trait thing says the first time you damage somebody you get 25 percent crit chance for five seconds well if i'm playing bairn and i and i'm using the corain tree right i part of my play pattern is now oh i need to find new ads and i need to hit them so I keep, I keep up this 25% crit buff. That's a huge buff. I want to I do this over and over and over again. And if I'm playing Gonder and I have the same Soulbind, I have the same th play pattern, right? Even though Baron and Gonder are supposed to be very different characters who play very differently, I'm, I'm now flattening that experience to make them play more similarly to one another, which I think is bad. That is the bad thing of Borrowed Power to me. Um, and so the idea that all of this stuff is being contained within the talent trees such that, you know, I'm not, I'm not having to deal with conduits i'm not having to deal with legendaries right all i need to do is pick my talents and my talents are unique to my class and specialization that feels good because i think it will help uh sort of create a lot of um you know a lot of the the good feelings of getting more powerful over time right um without necessarily uh falling into that trap of all my characters are playing the exact same because we're all running corain or mechanicos or whoever else yeah, no, I, I, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see how they actually build all of it out and how and how what it looks like at the end stage because um, you know like I think a lot of like as you would expect a lot of this is gonna ride on implementation right like yep. how, how, how good they nail it um, uh, something that I that I always thought was like a little bit like disappointing is like you know borrowed the, part of the idea behind borrowed powers is let's just do new and exciting and interesting things um, in in each uh, you know in each expansion but like Half of it ends up getting, like, wrapped back in somehow anyway, right? Like, you know, like, um, I basically skipped over BFA, but, like, when I, by the time I came back, my super cool new ability from my legendary was a talent I could pick. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, like, it's it's not like it actually went away, right? Like, other than kind of, like, you know, like, the, the, the bunch of passive power, which is kind of, like, didn't really at least to my memory, affect the way I played a lot, right? Like, it affected the order I picked things in, but it's not, like, fundamentally affecting my rotation or anything, which, like, these gameplay changes. The things that the things that I have enjoyed from this expansion is about when you patch it, um, by just kind of, like, the... By by pure coincidence, my legendary changed, and so changed up my play, my play pattern. Um, uh, and that's been... That was a nice kind of refresher, but, like, I feel like the game doesn't, doesn't have, like, a ton of things that, like, pushes you to, like actively make those those changes a lot other than kind of like big balance changes which is you know again not a thing i'm blaming the team for i think this is a hard thing to to kind of get that like you know um and the closest you get is like swapping talent so hopefully these trees will be intricate enough uh uh hopefully these things will be intricate enough to to, to kind of hold attention uh, yeah, uh, Karev in the chat says they build some parts of Bard Power into the base game, but they don't do it with any real consistency, just like what things are popular or drastically impacted a specs rotation in a good way. I think the thing that underlines this to me is we tend to sort of miss the forest for the trees a little bit when it comes to this stuff, right? I think the thing that people were trying to really communicate about artifacts, right, was less about the individual button itself and more about the overall build a lot of the time, right? Um, and I feel like if I were, you know, listen, I, obviously nobody's going to listen to this fucking podcast, but if I were giving advice to the WoW team, the thing that I would say is don't focus so much on individual talents, focus on builds, right? And like, you know, the, the it, because the thing that made Arms Warrior fun in certain patches of Legion or Battle for Azeroth was very rarely an individual talent or Azerite power or the artifact ability or an Azerite. You know, like none of those things matter. It was the it was the conglomeration of them that made for a sweet build where it's like, oh, okay, I get it. I am going to use Bladestorm now to you know throw out two mortal strikes that is that is the function blade storm all of a sudden used to be a burst aoe cooldown i ignored now it is a single target cooldown that's really strong that i can use to funnel damage into a target right and it is those sorts of, and then you know there's all this hanger there's all these hanging on pieces of it well now if i'm using blade storm more often maybe I'm going to take the talent that reduces the talent, the, the cooldown on Bladestorm. Maybe I'm going to equip the item that makes it so when I'm, you know, when I use Bladestorm, I get a big buff of strength, right? Maybe I'm going to do, you know, and, and it is it is all of those things kind of together that create the build, and it is the build in some total that is fun, rather than, you know, whatever the most impactful talent in that kind of chain is. Um, and... I, and, and that's so and that's the thing that I feel like I'm seeing the community fixate on 
but I would hope the designers are looking past, like looking beyond, right? If somebody is looking at player feedback for what to do in talents, I want them to create the builds that I used to like more so than I want them to bring back individual talents that I used to like. Because one of the things that's interesting about Shadowlands is they actually did that, right? One of the, they, in the beginning of Shadowlands, um, I think it was a forum thread, maybe it was like a Twitter thread, where someone just asked players in the community, they were like, what are some of your favorite tier set bonuses, legendary effects, you know, artifact things that were your favorite of all time, right? And a million people responded to this, including me. And I was like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. And the things that I wanted made it back into the game, which was really sweet. But the problem was, is without all the supporting infrastructure, the build that I wanted to play did not come back into the game, right? I had the most important effect of that build, but the game had had kind of moved beyond to such a point where... Um, you know, the, the, because that whole build wasn't really supported anymore, there just really wasn't a good reason for me to sort of invest into, into that experience. Yeah. I, th I think along with that, something I, if I were going to give advice to the, the WoW team is like, as these things build up, like have them give you at least like little incremental changes. Like something that I found disappointing about my tier set is like my rotation didn't change at all when I got my tier set bonus, right? Like there was like, you know, I don't know if this how I, I literally only play my monk and I literally only play in Windwalker, so I don't know how this affected other classes. Um, <laughs> but like my two set bonus was Fist of Fury does forty percent more damage, which is great. But it also means that like, you know, I'm I'm still hitting Fist of Fury on cooldown when I can, right? Like it's not like, you know, that fundamentally changed my uh, rotation. And then like the four piece is slightly more interesting. It's like um every number of damaging abilities, the next three get like a, a damage bonus. But like just the way that things work out, it's kind of not worth, like, it's worth on the margins maybe, like, trying to, like, save a couple of abilities, but, like, it's it's not, like, enough that, like, it's not enough to, to make me, like, fundamentally change my gameplay in a way. And that's the kind of thing I like, right? Like, when I think of some of the things I liked in other games, right? Like, Diablo is the thing that comes to mind. Legendaries in that game change up the way you play the game pretty significantly, right? Um, and that's true in, has been true in WoW as well, but, you know, for balance reasons, they can't get as wild as they did in Diablo, um, um, and also, like, th they get built into your character pretty early on, right? Like, I like yep. something that, like, you know, over the course of the expansion, I get little changes that, like, require me to, like, switch up the gameplay just a little bit or, like, you know, something like that. And, maybe, and I'm, I'm hoping they can do that with talents. Um, yeah, no, know. I agree with that completely. One of the things that I didn't love about 9.1 was that, you know, my hope was that the, the conduits were going to change, that they were going to introduce a new season of conduits and all of a sudden I was going to have benefits for different pieces of the spec, but no, actually the conduits have stayed same over the course of the entire expansion. Well, they added um, a second level, um, at, at the, yeah, point. no, sure. But it is a second level of the same effect, right? Which is whatever mortal strike sometimes hits twice or overpower does this much more damage, right? You know, the same five conduits that I farmed in 9.0. Oh, conduits. Yeah. 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 I thought you can imagine yeah. a world in which, in 9.1, the five conduits from 9.0 still stick around, but you now have five new conduits, and those are the ones that are upgrading at item level. And now all of a sudden, it's emphasizing different pieces of the kit. Maybe I get a conduit that says, you know, your slam puts a 3% damage taken debuff on the target. So now I'm working slam into my rotation a little bit more to keep up this, you know, this thing, right? Or, uh, you know, some other piece of my kit, right, when I use colossus smash 
or something, my crit, my critical strike chance goes through the roof, and now all of a sudden, I'm I'm building my character in a completely different way to emphasize that burst window, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see this. Ray in the chat says, I honestly don't think it's going to matter. There's going to be a quote-unquote best set of skills, and you're either going to play that or play the build you prefer, regardless of whether or not it's meta, because that's what makes it fun. However, it gives players a sense of agency that they otherwise wouldn't have. That's why people want talent trees. I don't think people will honestly do a ton of different stuff with it, but they like knowing that they can. Um, yes, it might be nice to spec into different talents, but you have some that you have some of that right now, and how often do most people really do that yeah i also think this to me is like the the placebo effect i also think that for the most part it won't matter because on one end you have the sort of um the gameplay inertia of i'm a casual player i trust that i'm going to be able to go into xerath mortis and kill rares no matter what i i i build you know no matter what my talent setup is and so I, I'm just going to set it and forget it, right? And on the high end, you have the social engine of, well, mythic raiders only do this one thing. This thing is optimal by the Sims. Don't do anything else, which is not leaving a ton of room for people to be changing and experimenting all the time in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that is a sad reality, but still it doesn't keep me from wanting it. <laughs> I, want, I want to I be able to, like, do fun things. Um um, although some of that is like you know admittedly self self inflicted right like I mm -hmm. I could maybe I should be like you know changing my talents up for boss on the right and I'll have more fun that way, um, but then I have to relearn everything every time. Yeah, I um, mean the the lesson that I have learned over the course of the expansion is nothing matters, right? Like, yeah. You know I I've told this story before about all of the time that I spent over the course of you know nine point uh, trying different builds and different legendaries and seeing if I could you know eke out whatever and for the most part i have found that it doesn't matter i do about the same amount of damage no matter what i no matter what i'm running so uh, yeah you know that's that's actually like that's a really hard thing to balance because like i feel like what you want is like you know like you know 85 to 90 percent of the time you're doing like that you're doing the same amount of damage right with the opportunity to kind of like get like another five to 15 percent of the damage out of like skill yeah. and like you know mastery of a particular form or whatever because like that's i feel like that's where you, where, where you hit um but yeah that's yeah i also that's... think that it's funny you know one of the things that is a little unique uh, about like me and my mythic plus group is we love theater of pain right um you know like i asked the other day i was like what dungeon from shadowlands is your favorite dungeon that you wish right like when they bring back shadowlands mythic plus you want this dungeon in the mythic plus rotation we were all like theater of pain i love theater of pain we go to theater of pain all the time anytime we roll a theater of pain key we're so happy because it is you know, like our favorite dungeon to do and I have another set of friends that are also running high keys like this, um, and they hate Theater of Pain. They're just like, fuck Theater of Pain. I don't want to go to that place. It's no fun. I'm not interested. Whatever. Um, the thing about Theater of Pain that people don't realize is that most of that dungeon is single pulls, right? It is individual mobs. So you don't actually want to run the typical recommended Mythic Plus build, which tends to emphasize AoE, and specifically like AoE like burst, right? It is it is almost always the, you know, if you go to Icy Veins, if you go to Wowhead, they tell you to get a purely AoE, you know, legendary or conduit setup or whatever else, right? Um, but because Theater of Pain is filled with these trash mobs that you take on as individual single 
entities, right? It actually behaves more like a single target raid or even kind of like a cleave thing, right? Um, and once I explained that to the second group of people, they were just like, oh my God, I did so much more DPS, right? And part of that is that, you know, like, that is entirely a problem of social engineering, right? Of this idea of this is the best build for Mythic Plus, I will take this build without really kind of thinking through to the analytical sort of uh, terminus of that thought process, right? Yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. <sighs> yeah. Well, the one big thing we haven't talked about, which is supposed to be one of the big premier new features of the expansion, is uh, dragon riding. Do you have any thoughts about that? Because, like, I, I, I stared at it, I was like, it's flying, but, like, different. With style? But, like, <laughs> it's falling with style? Yeah, yeah right? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, like, I didn't, when I looked at that, like, I did not see anything about it that seemed, like, super compelling. Part of the problem is that, like, flying in WoW is, like, real, real, like, powerful from, if, mm. if, you, if you understand what I mean, right? Like, you can, like, without, res without limitation, you know, move in, like, a 3D plane like you're a freaking helicopter with infinite fuel, right? Like, yep. um, and it seems like maybe the, maybe the play here is to pull that back so that, like, there's, like, some momentum to flight or whatever, and so, like, you have to actually fly instead of, you know, hovering, I guess. Um, <laughs> but that all, that, that's also but that's also kind of like I'm sorry what are you laughing about about the theater of pain no 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 completely unreal I, you, but my thing with dragon riding I, I think dragon riding is cool but I feel like I can see drag like I can see into the window of the conference room meeting that they had right which was someone explaining exactly that precisely that right which was flying is too powerful right we need to scale it back and somebody was in the room and they were like, dude, players will go fucking apeshit if you do that, right? We have to we have to pitch this to players in a completely different way. Otherwise, they are going to fucking crucify us. Yeah, no, <laughs> and that person went on to go, oh, let's make it, let's call it dragon riding. And you have to get to the top of a mountain and you're just gliding down. But now you have abilities to press so that you can keep your momentum up and you can actually like go fast or whatever. And nobody will notice that actually they're losing all this power for their flight. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that makes sense to me, though. Like, you could probably make up for it by giving it speed, right? Like, if, if you can actually, like, get speed that's faster than, like, you know, your traditional flight-mounted, people will, will like that, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, uh, I'll be interested to see, see what they do with it. Just because, like, it's supposed to be such a core feature of the uh, 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 core feature of the expansion, right? So, who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, the thing the thing that I'm really interested in when it comes to dragon riding is the effect on the open world, right? Like, the more I think about WoW, the more I think that there are these sorts of um, classifications of player, and they're all, everyone's all living in one bubble, right? You have PvP players, Mythic Plus players, you have raiders, right? Um, and one of the lessons that I think has been taught over the course of Shadowlands is that there are also world content players. And I consider myself among that number, right? Like, I have done patterns on one, two, three, four, five, six characters this week. The pad the, the Zareth Mortis Weekly. Because I fucking love going and joining one of those rare farm groups because it you know, you just you just sit in the group and you just kill rares for 45 minutes and you you complete the patterns quest or whatever. And I get five thousand anima. And like I said, anima is really valuable to me. I like anima a lot. 
Um, and that's just fun. That is a fun way for me to play World of Warcraft, and I really enjoy, you know, doing that while I'm playing something on my other, or watching something on my other screen, whatever, right? Um, and I feel like over the course of Shadowlands, the, the world content player has gotten kind of more and more recognition compared to previous patches, right? Like in BFA or in, in Legion, I didn't really feel like there was a lot there if you were a player who only enjoyed world content. Um, but dragon riding is a feature exclusively designed for world content, right? Uh, and I and I wonder how much that is going to affect my enjoyment of the process of you know completing world quests or dailies or farming rares in a in a particular zone, right? Because I could see a world where it is really satisfying to go hike to the top of a hill, hop onto my dragon and get a bunch of momentum, and then swoop off you know to some other area of the dragon isles to go do a thing. Right. Um, and you could imagine a world where, you know, there are rares who are dropping things that I want and I go back into one of these big rare farm groups. And now all of a sudden there's 25 of us dropping off of a cliff and we're all gaining this momentum and flying on our dragon, that kind of a thing. $20 says we get a radiator encounter that uses some permutation of dragon. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. Right. Like, um, and also people are probably going to hate that. Um, just because pe people hate anything that they, you know, that's, that's different. But uh, to Kara, to your earlier comment, I feel like dragon riding is going to be kind of annoying. Like, I hope it's not a stamina bar to be mobile style of th thing. I think the way to do that is, like, this is, like, a very traditional kind of, like, you know, everybody's favorite example of, like, make it a perk, not a, not a deficit is the original WoW rest, right? Like, originally mm -hmm. it was not rest gives you 200% experience. It's playing for, playing for too long gives you a, a, a half debuff and it's literally using the same system you just switch the numbers around right um my intuition and my hope is that that's actually what this is going to look a lot like um is that instead of being like you know you hit a button to go faster and your bar drains it's going to be you it is on you to keep up kind of like the rhythm to go faster um and if you miss that you're going to slow down but it's not going to be, be it's not going to be you running out of a resource to go faster it's going to be like you not hitting your hitting your beats right to to go to to go faster if that makes sense um, yeah i i also hope it is going to be like that like i don't know that this is the case but i hope that effectively infinite flight will be available but you have to be good right you know so for instance it to use your example of beats um in a world where you have to go up high and then you drop off. I like the idea that as, as if you drop off a high enough height, you gather enough momentum initially, you can perpetuate that by doing whatever, right? Um, and maybe there's some other, you know, extra piece to this, right? Like if, if dragon riding was tied to some cipher of the first ones type thing, I'd be pretty happy with that, all things considered. Uh, yeah, dragon Chan Opera Singer says, hits the beats of my guitar controller. This is it. What yeah, I'm exactly yeah. <laughs> I'm envisioning is jumping off a cliff and playing through the fire and the flames to keep my speed up. That is exactly what I want to happen. Because um, it's Dragon yeah, Force, I mean, right? Like, it's perfect for the expansion. Yeah, and you can imagine a system where you have your dragon mount. And honestly, we know there are four different types of dragon mounts. This is one thing I'm really interested in. If there are four different types of dragon mounts, do those four different types have individual like like differences among themselves right is it different for me to be riding a proto drake versus a regular drake um and if i were designing the dragon riding system i probably would do something kind of along oh those man lines. make it like like a mini cool cart racer right like the proto drake's big and heavy so he's got higher top speed but he's got bad handling type of deal 
Um, yeah, or you know, you could even do other stuff with that, right? Like um, maybe if you're if you're rolling the proto Drake, you know, uh, I don't know, you can like pick up sheep or something, and you feed it to the proto Drake, and that's the thing that makes him get a burst of speed again, right? So you fly down, you swoop down, you pick up your sheep, your proto Drake eats the sheep, and now you're back to top speed, right? But with the with you know, the the wyvern drake for instance you're looking for you know air pockets or something and so the thing is i'm, I'm trying to bing ping pong between the different air pockets that are all around me and that's how i keep my, my speed up that that's the kind of thing that i mean right um i do i like the idea that there's just like a little bit of different flavor to the minigame yeah. depending on on which you're choosing care of right now i've got to check icy base to keep up with the current drake meta oh my god okay yeah that's true i'm dying <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, no, I, I, I am still optimistic. I'm very optimistic about the expansion, right? Like, do you have, do you have anything else you want to talk about the expansion before we move into our weeks? I, I'm optimistic about the expansion just for, because I do think I'm a little bit of that sweet spot character, right? Like the reason I use talent tomes is I'm swapping around all the time. I'm thinking about this stuff. And so I feel like I'm going to have an okay time with the expansion. I am worried though, that it is pulling too far back from uh, sort of the ambition that comes with Battle for Azeroth, with, uh, you know, uh, Shadowlands, with Legion, right? Like, I feel like all of those expansions have been real swings for the fences. Um, and I'm just a little bummed out that this one is not that. And maybe, you know, someone might say, well, you're swinging for the fences, but, you know, in Shadowlands, you, you, you fouled off on the right side or whatever. It's like, okay, well... Yeah, fine, whatever, sure, I guess. Maybe there are, uh, maybe I understand that players want a solid base hit over an attempt at a home run. Um, but I'm just not that kind of player, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think the thing, I think the thing that maybe you're not like pointing at enough, or at least, at least from where I sit, sit, is they are, I think they're swinging for the fences in other ways, right? Like, I think they're trying to make the world better it seems like right like it's make the world more compelling um and that's not like anything super mechanical other than like you know like as Kara points out the sizes of zones right like you know that's got like a mechanical thing to, uh, like a mechanical effect to it but not like a real like player driven purpose to it um and i think if they nail those things it could be a lot of fun but i i, I see what you're saying though that like there's no kind of like new kind of mechanical complexity to dig your teeth into um, yeah. But I think the answer for you is going to be if the, if that's the case is like go master invoker or evoker or whatever it is right like go that's true you know we th that's an interesting thing that we didn't talk about right which is which is evoker and drakthir which I we to be fair briefly we did I'm reasonably interested in but I've never really like latch this is just I, I think I just like warrior too much right like I've just never really latched onto a new class like that I understand that there are people out there for whom invoker will be their new main and they're very excited for evoker to to you know. I don't know, fulfill their dragon RP fantasies or whatever. But as someone who doesn't plan on switching off of Baron in arms, you know, or just warrior anytime soon, uh, evoker is kind of a, like, it's, it's basically saying, here's a new alt. You get to roll. Yep. I hope you have fun. <laughs> I honestly, the big problem for me is like, I am like, like, like a serial contrarian, it's like, well, everybody's gonna be playing the new evoker, so I guess I have to play the the hot new class, uh, the uh, you know, demon hunter, right? Because, like, the, the <laughs> yeah, um, uh, so you know, 
But uh, yeah, Karif says I'll take more range GPS. Is all I'll say, which you know, yeah, fair enough, right? And like I am, ex- what, what I'm actually for excited it. for is hopefully, and this probably won't happen for like another expansion, but maybe we'll get some stuff in the beginning. Is whatever tech they're developing for the Evoker eventually bleeds back into the classes um, with new abilities that'll kind of improve them, because um, I think that kind of happened. Like I think there's been like a vague amount of mobility creep, right? Like you know. Windwalkers are very, or not windwalkers, monks in general are very mobile. Demon hunters are very mobile. Um, and I think I've seen some of that creep backwards into the other classes. Um, maybe I'm mistaken. Um, so hopefully we'll get some of, some of these fancy new me- new engine mechanics applied to um, our abilities. So Yeah, I mean, the thing that I thought was, was insightful was a friend of ours, Merok, said, uh, I hope the evoker shakes up the builder spender kind of mm. underlying version of specs and i do think that that is real right like basically most classes in the game are kind of built on this chassis which is you build up one resource and then you spend down that resource to do big damage right like in a warrior's case it's rage um you know for for monk i'm sure it's energy and it's energy and chi yeah, um, you know, yeah. it's combo points, points for, for Rogue, right? Like, you are using one ability to generate the thing and then using another ability, uh, ability to sort of, like, suck the thing, right? Um, <clears throat> and so in a world where maybe those pieces of Evoker sort of migrate back into other classes, right? And now I'm in a world where, oh, well, on as an arms warrior, I can hold my Colossus Smash for two seconds, right? Give it a small amount of cast time, and if I hit with that, it's a way more powerful version of it. I would love that, right? As, as just a way to sort of differentiate classes. I, I do think that classes are, like, different, like... At, <laughs> I, I, I do sort of think it's a little too zoomed out to say, well, all the classes are builder-spender classes because the actual iteration of that does look very, very different. Um, you know, you have you have classes that I would call like a pump-and-dump class, like Fury Warrior is a pump-and-dump class, right? Versus Arms Warrior, which is a management class. You are trying to manage your Rage in Warrior. You are trying, or in Arms, you are trying to generate as much of it and dump it as quickly as possible in Fury. Um, so, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. We will see. Um, but um, I'm going to say that's probably good enough for uh, for the, the main content. Um, unless you had anything you wanted to address that we, that we didn't get to? Anything you saw uh, in the interviews that was, like, really tasty that we didn't talk about? Anything that I saw in the interviews that was really tasty that we didn't talk about? Story – we didn't talk about story-wise. The story setup here is very basic, so there isn't that much to talk about, right? I it, It's funny. It is basic, but it is new, right? Which is this is a brand-new continent. Nobody's t- touched foot here. But there is no faction war under underneath it, right? We have put an end to the faction war in the Fourth War. The Alliance and Horde are at peace, even if they are not allied or anything like that. Um, and so it is a joint expedition of the Explorers League and the Reliquary to go inspect this Titan, you know, this Titan Island. That's, you know, that's cool. That's cool, straightforward uh, World of Warcraft stuff. We've also learned that there is a big bad, right? That at the end of, you know, at the end of the expansion, there will be a big bad to fight in the same way that there was for the Jailer in the same way that there was for Nazoth, right? Um, and so that's, that's neat. That's interesting. I don't really care to speculate about that stuff because I fucking hate theory crafting in the WoW community. I just like, uh, th- that, that, that's, that's all I have to say about that. It's going to be Ragnaros. I'm calling it. 
Honestly, I would be pretty down for stuff with like the elemental, yeah. you know, the elemental lords. I have always thought that's a pretty cool piece of lore. Yeah. No, I mean, we'll see. We'll see with it. Um, I think there's like there's some like interesting like bits there just to like hang on to because it's like, well, clearly we need to like this. This feels like it's like a ramp down expansion, right? Like you know, we we did like uh you know Legion, which is like near world ending, and then we ramp like BFA. You know, had stakes, but it wasn't like you know. It wasn't like World Six. It was like faction stakes, right? And then you know, yeah. And then Shadowlands is like you know, fucking like end of like the you know of reality stakes, right? Like, um, uh, and then you know, this this one's probably a down ramp expansion. The next one is going to be like whatever the jailer was talking about in his last cinematic, um, you know. Yeah, I I, I do like to think that WoW expansions tends to go high, from high concept to low concept, right? You know, the Legion was a very high concept expansion going into Battle for Azeroth, which was a much more lower, you know, kind of concept expansion. Uh, and I don't know that... Eh, I guess... I actually think Burning Crusade is the most high concept expansion they ever did, but uh, Shadowlands is up... is up... <coughs> is up there. <laughs> God bless you. Um, but yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean... Well, I'm sure we'll be talking more about this as we get more details and as, as the time approaches. Um, but yeah, uh, how was your week, buddy? Uh, my week was pretty good. You know, one I uh, did I talk about BattleTech last week? That yes, I was you did. BattleTech. Yeah. Okay. So that's the big thing is that I is that I've been playing BattleTech. Uh, but probably more interesting than that is Better Call Saul is back. Have you watched the first two episodes? No, I have not. Um, Fuck. Okay. Well, fine. Be that way. They're great. I love this show. I'm sure they are. Um, I and I will watch them at some point. I just, I generally don't watch things as they come out. Um, this mm. is not my style. I probably should rewatch the first five seasons because I don't remember them super well. Um, so maybe I'll do that over the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, the other thing that you could watch over the next couple of weeks, which we could do a podcast episode on, is Barry, which also came back. Uh, famously, Bill Hader's Barry, uh, like the, the – what, what would you even call that? It's like a dark comedy, right? I've heard yeah, of it. Yeah, I guess it is a dark comedy. Um, yeah, it's about a hitman who, who decides to become an actor. Um, Barry is a really good show. Barry is if, – if Better Call Saul is – I famously have said Better Call Saul is the best show on television right now. Barry is number two on that list with, like, hands down. Um, it, is, it is so good. Oh, my God, Barry. What a good show. No Ho Hank is, is a mood, which I'm sure you don't get, but one, one of these days you, you, you will understand. Uh, I have not watched the first episode of the third season of Barry, though, because I'm waiting for Rachel because we watched that show together. Fair enough. Um, in terms of things that I have watched this week, um, I watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is fantastic. The new Nicholas oh, is it really? Yeah. Um, I mean, it is like a goofy, is a goofy comedy, right? Like, I do not go into this expecting like a, you know, like a, like, don't go into this expecting like Schindler's List, but go into like, if, you know, expect a Nick Cage movie that like knows it's a Nick Cage movie, right? Like, and really plays into it. And some of it's a little over the top, but like, it was fun. I loved it. Like, I loved every moment of Pedro Pascal is great. Um, uh, Nick Cage is obviously great. Like, you know, he has several scenes where, like, he interacts with, like, a young version of himself. And, like, the young version of himself does, like, all the really crazy stuff. Um, uh, there's, like, it's, it's, it is funny. It's fun. It's lighthearted. I loved it. Um, 
Uh, interesting, like, because, like, for whatever reason, I, I uh, want to compare it to everything everywhere all at once. It's, like, a lot of, like, mm-hmm. you know, at a base level, right, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, the same themes, right? Like, a person dealing with the consequences of their disappointing life choices, right? Like, um, um, obviously, uh, unbearable weight of massive talents, a lot more lighthearted uh, than everything everywhere at once, which I also recommend highly, Um but uh, you know, uh, what, what was it? There's like call like there's callbacks to memes, but they're not like way overdone. I don't think. Um, there's like there's just like really like fun moments. Um, and also like like I, it's this is like a very minor spoiler. It's a very vague spoiler, but I'm pretty sure like like there's like a like you could I'm sure there's a fan theory already that like you know there's this is an owl uh, occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge moment like you know, three quarters of the way through the film. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, I think it's, I think it's definitely worth a watch. Um, and it's Nick Cage kind of embracing his Nick Caginess in like the, a way that's like fantastic. Um, I want everybody to see this movie. It is like, it, you know, it's not high cinema, but like, you know, it's funny because they like Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage have like a, you know, uh, if, 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 if I may be so bold, like, a some Durst Play Game style conversation about, like, movies, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, Nick Cage is, like, I don't know if this is true of him in real life, but he's a big film buff, and he talks with Pedro Pascal's character about, like, his three favorite movies of all time. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not super deep or anything, but it's fun. Um, and, you know, I think, I th- I, like I said, I think it's worth a watch, and I love it. You know, that does sound, that does sound very fun. I remember when I heard the premise of this movie, I was like, no f- fucking way for those who don't know the premise of the movie is that it is a movie about nick cage's film career but like so it's it's not real. so so the plot of the movie is that nick cage the actor who is like kind of washed up and dealing with the fact that like you know he's not landing the roles he wants right gets invited to do a birthday party for a rich person and then the cia contacts him and has him spy on this rich person because the rich person they suspect is like a is like a gun smuggler. Right? That's all on, in the um, uh, in like the trailer. So I don't think that's like a a, a, a spoiler of, of of any real sort. Um, and so it's like it's about Nick Cage, but kind of not really right. Like no one would go into this movie like like there's some stuff in here about like his wife and kid, and like part of me wants to go look up how much of that is real because if it is, it's it's like. There's like, if you think about it, if you think about it as Nick Cage is like a real human being, that gets weird, right? It's like the plot of this movie is him reckon like, or you know, like the B plot, right? Like the the you know the traditional character arc plot is him reconciling with his ex wife and his like estranged daughter, right? So like you know, I don't know how much of that is real. I kind of don't want to know because that'll make me you know sad if it's not as good as the movie makes it out to be, right? Like, um, oh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's wonderful though. I highly recommend it to everybody out there. You know, fair enough. That is that is very cool. I still have not seen Ambu LA Ants, but I really want to see mm. Ambu LA. I guess Ambu LA Ants is is how you would pronounce it. the the new Michael Bay movie that all of the film Twitter people are going apeshit for. Oh. Um, though I mostly spend. Have you ever watched The Terror? Do you know about The Terror? No. The Terror. Oh, that, that's what I watched this week because I found out it was on Hulu. Um, weirdly enough, I discovered the Taylor through a an episode of History Buffs, which is a YouTube channel that looks at film and TV shows that are based on history. And the question is, like, are these accurate, right? Like, how, how historically accurate are they? Um, 
and he draws a distinction between sort of like you know the the things that are truly actually accurate in the sense that they get the thing like the details correct and the ones that are like accurate in spirit right like one of the things he famously says is he really likes the movie 300 because it is accurate to the idea of the battle of thermopylae even if it is not a true recreation of the battle of thermopylae right and in the way that the movie itself is the dramatized story that one character is telling another character right um he's like yeah it's actually not weird that this would be the kind of a story that a Spartan warrior would tell about the Battle of Thermopylae to, to jazz up the troops of other Spartan warriors. Um, is the terror, but anyway, is the, terror has, the Northwest Passage thing? Yeah. Okay. The terror is the Northwest pa- is the story of the Northwest Passage, right? Which was John Franklin's expedition to uh, to try and find the Northwest Passage, which is through the Arctic, right? The idea is you if by circumventing the bottom of. Uh, uh, the well you have to you have to go all the way around south america right because the panama canal isn't built at this time right Um, yeah 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 yeah, i know a fair amount about the actual history of the northwest passage right there's there's a lot of attempts right um yeah 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 well so there's so patagonia which is the bottom tip of south america is also some of the most treacherous water on earth right so not only do you have to sail you know through the this way longer right you also have to sail through some of the worst, toughest water that there is. Um, anyway, so the um, the Terror TV show is based on a book, which is we we know very little about what happened to it, the Franklin two expedition. ships, Erebus and Terrace. Yeah, we know very little about what happened to the, to the Franklin expedition. All we know is they got stuck in the ice because they choose to, they chose to go north and they got caught in pack ice and. Um, and we also know a bunch of details about their provisions, right? Like their provisions were really poorly stocked. They were probably suffering from scurvy. They were probably suffering from lead poisoning. A lot of their a lot of their food went bad because it was just incorrectly sealed by the manufacturer, um, <clears throat> etc. So uh, the book itself is a is a it's it's completely fictional account of what actually. Oh, and, then, and by the way, the final detail is the one that matters, which is they found the campsites where you know the the crew themselves died and in those campsites they found evidence that the crew was engaging in cannibalism at that point to try and keep themselves alive right um <clears throat> the terror tv shows a 10 episode miniseries uh from amc which is a is i understand to be a pretty faithful recreation of the book um which is weirdly incredibly historically accurate except for the fact that they are being hunted by a supernatural polar bear called a Toonbach because the the men of the Franklin expedition accidentally murder an Inuit shaman right um all of that is magic and mysticism that is in obviously entirely unreal and unsupported um but the rest of the show actually does have like a very good interesting uh sort of plot line of the different sorts of uh you know the different sorts of decisions that are made by the characters a lot of the 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 hurdles that they encounter are a lot of the hurdles that they encounter are historically accurate where it's like yeah by the end all of the men were suffering from lead poisoning and so they probably were you know paranoid right um and having some real fucked up, you know, having some real fucked up thoughts. Anyway, the thing that made the terror for me, and my friend Devin, if she's not in the in, in the, the thing, but we talked about it on Twitter all weekend. The thing that made the terror for me is this one character, Hickey, uh, Petty Officer Hickey, who 
is I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody who who wants to go watch the show. Please please feel free to do so. Hickey is simultaneously like the most interesting like villain I I have seen on a television show in oh boy a long time <clears throat> maybe since Chuck from Better Call Saul. Um, and also is the subject of the most heart-wrenching and brutal scene I, I think I have ever seen on TV. It is, it is ridiculous how, how crazy that character was. And the whole thing, like, I, if you want to do an episode, I would do an episode on Terry in, in a fucking heartbeat. Just so I could spend 20 minutes talking about this one shot, which is just like, uh, at the end of the terror, which is like, it is the perfect, you know, it's the perfect thing of sometimes filmmakers will talk about their job is setting up dominoes, right? And you set up dominoes over the course of a season so that when they all fall in that last episode, it just hits, it, it's so good, right? The terror has that and it's so good. I, my mind was blown. Hey, no, I mean, I I might give it a watch. I no no promises on timelines, but it is uh, on Hulu. So that was the other reason I watched it was I was just like fuck. I've always wanted to see this, and I didn't realize it was free. So let's go. Fun, fun facts. Um, also, people in the chat, don't go. Leave leave the stream up in your second window. Don't don't leave to go do a plus. They're coordinating mythic plus in our in our stream, you guys. Uh, uh, but fun fact, you know the resolute desk um, that the president mm -hmm. sits at. Do you know what that's from? Is it from Erebus and Terror? So no way, right? So the HMS Resolute was one of the boats the British sent after the Franklin Expedition, um, and it got it also got fucked and it got abandoned. And some like whaling ship towed it back to Boston, and in an act of like friendship, the United States gave it back to the UK. And when they decommissioned um, the Resolute, the Queen had it turned into a desk and sent to the President of the United States. Um, Holy fuck. I just always thought it was like... Yeah, no, like you think it's like like about being resolute. No, it's from the... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I actually never do that. I why, why did you get interested in like the Northwest Passage? Where so there from? is an, a really excellent song um, uh, by a Canadian artist named Stan Rogers um, who died young. He died in like a Cincinnati, Cincinnati airport fire. But the song is called Northwest Passage. Um, and it's about a man like basically like... Kind of like going on a journey of self-discovery, kind of, um, by tracing the Northwest Passage in his car on the highways. But he sings about like he sings about like you know um, like like Franklin, like 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 the expeditions, like how he's like kind of like following in their footsteps. I didn't know anything about this because I'm not Canadian, right? Like, um, and so I ended up reading a bunch about it. Like, so Stan Rogers is like a relatively important cultural figure. Apparently, this the song Northwest Passage is like like the unofficial second Canadian anthem. Um, okay. and it's a really fucking good song. Um, so, you know, I recommend that to everybody as well. Uh, uh, but yeah, so that, that's, that's why I got into the Northwest Passage stuff. Um, the Resolute thing was actually totally by coincidence. Um, uh, another, a podcast I listened to, uh, GM Word of the Week did a podcast on the Resolute desk, which is how I found out about that, that connection. Um, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is interesting and that makes sense yeah the the thing that makes um i mean it, it doesn't make the 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 terror good but it is that is it is very interesting all of the all of the details around 
um, you know, like the Northwest Passage, because it's just like you don't get a lot of those, right? Like these these mysteries in in history that just like have no possible explanation. Um, and there are some of them that it's just like it's always just like fun to kind of dig into those and see what, uh, yeah, and see what and see what happens. So yeah, yeah. So the other thing to talk about with my week is uh, I was at PAX East um, over the weekend, which was a lot of fun. Got to see a uh, uh, friend of the cast and host of Comedy Club, uh, uh, Savadar, uh, in person for like the second time ever. <laughs> um, I also got to see <laughs> our friends in the chat, all of our friends in the chat, um, uh, Karaf and, and Ray and uh, Jack the Chan opera singer, who is, who is Lindley, um, uh, all over the weekend, which was a lot of fun. Um, uh, which is actually, honestly, my favorite part of it, which is hanging out with people. But also, like, you know, um, it was a relatively sparsely populated PAX. Um, I didn't think any of the, uh, <laughs> uh, any of the, uh, uh, of the demos were particularly enlightening. I played Dolmen, which I didn't like, which is like a, a Souls-like, one of these kind of, like, people trying to do a Souls-like that don't quite get it. Um, uh, otherwise, it's kind of like, goofed around like oh so something i did enjoy that i want to say is um on saturday i played uh two-headed giant with uh with with jackie chan opera singer here um and we went two and one which was super fun it took a lot longer than i expected and than i wanted it to but like the format so it's they had a pre-release for the new expansion uh streets of new capenna i believe is it which is like this oh yeah it's the crime yeah one, it's right? like vaguely the mafioso themed but i think it's also part of like kamigawa somehow um uh, maybe it's just that it's also three colors. Um, so it's three color um, sets, right? Like, uh, um, and like the sealed format was super fun. Um, uh, I thought the cards were, were fun. The the mechanics that stood out were like Blitz, which is um, you pay to give the creature haste and uh, uh, and it dies to start of the next turn. It gives you like a bonus effect with that too. Um, uh, what else was, was, was in there that, that stood out? Um, oh, there's like a bunch of sacrifice mechanics, which I enjoyed. Um, like, uh, like there's this, this, this new mechanic called catalyst. It's catalyst number and you sacrifice a creature with at least, I think it's as much power as the catalyst number. Um, and you get to copy the spell, um, assign new targets, which is cool. Um, yeah, but like, you know, I really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed doing, uh, 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 playing, uh, that, that set, um, and, I, and as I was playing it, my, my reaction was like, oh no, I'm going to download Magic Arena and start playing Magic again, which is going to be bad uh, for my wallet. Yeah, races, <laughs> races, I know a team that plays the top 25% of teams. We placed 23rd out of uh, out of 103. Yes, 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 Ray. Um, hey, congratulations. Yeah. Um, uh, just by, you know, winning two and, and losing one. Um, I was so mad too. The part of the reason we, we lost that second one was because there's a spell. It's like a two two mana counter spell, but it's like counter spells of mana four or more, right? And I had one. I was like, "Who the okay. fuck would run this in this format?" Right? The guy we were playing against ran two of them <laughs> and killed two of my mobs. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no, it was. But it's 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 a fun set. I would I can recommend it to people out there. Um, I'm probably gonna jump into MTG Arena, so I'll probably be talking about that at some point in the future, assuming I can finish Elden Ring sometime soon. Because um, I didn't get to really play that a lot this week because I was busy at PAX having fun, um, getting drunk at a piano bar and singing show tunes. Um, uh, Hell yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, is there anything else from PAX to highlight? Um, 
yeah, uh, nothing off the top of my head. Um, you know, it was still fun. I thought it was, it was thought it was a cool thing to do. Um, even if it was a little bit diminished from, uh, you know, the uh, previous year. But uh, yeah, that's the big stuff from my week. Um, buddy, do you have anything else you want to talk about from your week before we get out of here? You know, n- no, I just want to talk about the terror. All right. Uh, what a show. I guess, I guess that's it. I guess we're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if you'd like to tell us, uh, about what you thought about, um, oh, sorry, yeah, brought to you by Accenture the Universe. <laughs> I do want to mention this. So Accenture <laughs> was a major sponsor of this convention and, uh, we were making jokes all weekend long, but like. I went, I went, like, they were giving away swag, which is, like, they built, like, four different characters, like, and, like, had, like, lore about Excedrin, and it's, like, also, like, Excedrin is a healer class. Do you like playing healer classes in, PV, in PvP games? And, like, they were giving out, like, so Excedrin, for those of you who don't know at home, is, mm-hmm. um, is aspirin, acetaminophen, and caffeine, right? It is, it is, like, a painkiller, right? It's just, it's just a painkiller, um... And, you know, that's fine for what it is, but I, like, you know, it's like, if you've got headaches playing games, take Excedrin. It's like, I guess, right? Like, like it felt to me like they were, like, skirting along, like, like I could see, like, the lawyer being like, you can't call it a healing potion, because then somebody's going to eat a whole bottle of fucking pills and we're going to be liable, right? <laughs> like, um, just because, like, the, the language they were using, and it, it was, it was weird. Um, but they also gave out a ton of pins, and, like, so, this was, this was super funny to me. Um, pins are a whole thing at Penny Arcade. I don't fucking, uh, 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 I don't fucking get it. Um, but like, uh, Intel was doing pin trading. Like you could give them a pin that give you, um, and they give you one of their special pins, which were kind of nice. Um, and then the last thing you could also trade your pins for pins on the wall. Um, but you walk over to the wall and you see this line of Excedrin men on the wall. Cause like that was the free pin that everybody was using to trade and get the nice pins. Um, yeah, and uh, th- their pin trading was not great on the last day. Um, they were like, you could trade pins, and then they were, like, only accepting, like, really nice pins. Um, uh, and they're, like, you know, there were some nice pins. Oh, oh, you know what? Oh, let me vamp for a second while I go find this, because you're going to like this. Um, okay, I guess I will, I guess I will vamp for a second. I'm sitting here, like, looking at this new companion stuff, which is actually kind of sweet, uh, because... Yeah, it's 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 interesting that magic is going this modern, right? Yeah. Um, which they obviously just did with Kamigawa, but basing something off of like urban gangster movies is is interesting. But the thing the thing about it is, I just feel like magic releases too quickly for me. It lost me because it is so fast. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I get that. Did I, I keep you guys entertained? Did was that good vamping? So, buddy, look okay. what I got. Oh, what? Oh, those are Mass Effect pins. pins. Where? Yeah, they were like super. Where? Uh, at at um at PAX, they were selling them. It's no, 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 no. But like, did you get them like from like a like a vendor? I guess. Yeah, Bioware. These are like official. This is official merch. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No, they they are they are super Huge. nice too. Because you know it's like it's uh it's it's Rex, Tally, and Morden, right? Which are like you know three of my favorite characters, right? So it was like, absolutely. Oh, I I was not super into the pin. Like there were some there were some nice pins. Like um like Jackie Chan opera singer, in the chat got a very nice uh, samurai octopus. Um, like like I said, everybody goes crazy for pins. I don't quite get, like I I get like picking certain pins. Like that booth, I also got a couple of pins. Um, but this was like like I said, these were super nice, right? So um. 
Yep. It was uh it's it was a fun time, right? Like, you know. Uh yeah, go next year if you can. Um <laughs> uh, oh right. So so uh uh Karif uh, has a super cool story. Um so he had he he parked his car near the convention center. Uh, apparently mm-hmm. he had like a Destiny ghost hanging from his uh from his um uh from his mirror and somebody left a Destiny pin on his windshield. Um which is like super super awesome, right? Like super awesome community things like, you know. Um so yeah, um Pax is a fun time. Uh, you should go whenever you can because I, well, I guess the West is in August. Um, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if, what, what's up with, with it, but PAX East is in Boston, which is near where I live. And so, you know, it was, it was a good time. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's everything I have for this week. I'll actually wrap it up. Um, wrap it up this time. Uh, if you'd like to tell us anything that we that you uh, if you would like to tell us what you think about the new WoW expansion or any other the other things we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at subversivelygames at gmail.com or podcast at subversivelygames.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash subversivelygames where these go out live. Um uh you can do other stuff. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud, where is which is the official sound release, but we're on every podcast platform because they're all just hosts of that. We've got a YouTube where I post the episodes afterwards. Um uh rate review us on all the podcast places whatever um that's uh that's everything i have but you have anything else you're looking to promote uh i have nothing else i'm looking to promote except for actually i do have one final thing i want to promote which is this podcast elon musk you bought twitter buy us we'll sell out for free buddy we'll just we'll sell out for free that's the We'll just sell out for free compared to $43 billion. If if you bought Twitter and that place is a health site, think about some nerfs talk about yeah. games. Let me just put that out. Listen, we would, you got to shoot your we, shot, Mango. We would entertain offers as low as $420,000. $420,069. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, <laughs> I'm going to say until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>